Kawhi alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! Official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. We have finally hit the acceptance phase, folks, and are ready to put a bow on our 2018 season. Nothing real witty to say here this time, just time to move on. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I'm your host, John, and alongside me is Nate Morales. Nate, I assume you, like myself, went through all the fields since the dream season came to an end. <laughs> yeah, John, I had to uh, I had to turn off like all my emotions for a few days, that's for sure. I got, uh, got real sad there for a while, got real mad, got in a real dark place. <laughs> but well, you know, it's hard to stay hard to stay sad in the summertime. We both went on vacation last week. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I disconnected from everyone. Yeah, to be honest, it works. My parent, my parents were like, "How'd the game go?" I was like, "Delete." Nope, not talking <laughs> nope. about it yet. Nope, sorry. Um, but we returned. We have returned to break down what happened in the NPSL playoffs and take a look back at really what was a great Minneapolis City season. Uh, Some might say the greatest. The greatest. The greatest, that's for sure. We're going to cover all the action from Ann Arbor, including that heartbreaking loss when we fell to the team who will not die, they who must not be named. Uh, I can tell you right now, there are at least two people in Duluth that live in their parents' basement who are still masturbating furiously to that game tape. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to recap the summer... um, Recap all the hit, you know, touch on all the standout players, the standout moments, and really, uh, really wrap up this historic season on a positive note. So, this is the type of show that makes me sad, Nate, because it means that we're going to be going on to our fall break where we don't yeah. record as often. So, I will do my best to hold in my emotions as long as you do. Do we have a deal? Yeah, man, I'm already drinking them. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's start with. The dark part of the show. If you weren't one of the citizens who traveled to Ann Arbor, Michigan with the team, which was a nice trip to take, or if you didn't join us at the New Bohemia in Uptown, which is an awesome game day spot uh, for city away for games sure. that are streaming, sure. I was really happy with that with that setup. Really, It was really cool of them to host uh, and to put the games on the big screens. Yeah, put the sound on. Yeah. Anyway. So if you, weren't, if you weren't with us, you missed a mind-blowingly frustrating game that ended the Crows season and ca- ended up catapulting Duluth into the NPSL Final Four. You know what, Nate? You know, I, I kind of equate their run to, like, the, the, the Steph Curry, you know, NCAA run that he went on going to the Final Four where it was like, uh, all right, it's okay. Like, go ahead. But then it had to be them, right? <laughs> it couldn't have been some other six seed from a different region. It had to be our our nemesis, our nemesis Duluth FC, the Blue Greens, whatever that means. So, well, as you know by now, we lost to them on a penalty <laughs> kick in the dying stages of the club's first ever playoff match. But as you know, as many things we have come across in these last three years, Nate, we can chalk this up to a teachable moment. 
<laughs> yeah. Gotta, gotta chalk it up to something. Right, exactly. We'll call it a teachable moment. So after, well, I mean, we, we learned, we, we had a teachable moment when Duluth won the, the conference last year, and look what happened. So maybe maybe there's much brighter things on the horizon. But anyways, enough about that crap. Let's get into the game. After te- a 10-hour drive that included a quick stop in uh, for a nap in Rockford, Rockford Illinois, uh, to gear up for the, the match, the boys strapped on the boots to face Duluth, as we noted, uh, in what would be, what we kind of called that trap game on our last show, and a trap it was. The first half started off with another interest, uh, interesting fourth-tier soccer problem when Abdallah Ba was forced to not enter the starting lineup and be replaced without entering the game at all, not even touching the sideline or, the, or going past the sideline due to a nose ring issue. God damn it. Mm. This is something that has happened before, and I thought, this will never happen again, can it? Well, it fucking did. And as a result, C was forced to play... Uh, or to use a, a su- his sub, uh, not planned for, for almost the first 20 minutes of game action that saw Martin Brown Jr. have to quickly get back up to speed again from a- after warmups and, and you know, basically in- returning from injured reserve, unprepared to enter the game at that point for the, from the game plan perspective. And, uh, and what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So the city's already behind the eight ball. <laughs> yeah, dude, I remember because I was, you know, I came from downtown from work real quick. And uh, <laughs> I walked into New Bohemia and you were like, nose ring, dude. I said, what? You're like, <laughs> playing with 10 men. There's a nose ring. Because I was late to the, oh, I couldn't believe it. Um, and just like you just stand there helpless thinking like, can't, how is this possible that your nose ring can't come out? Well, here's the thing. So the, uh, the referees check every player in, and Abdallah was checked in and ready to go in, and it was the fourth official who said something and wouldn't let him go in after the, the, the head referee had let him go in. So at that point, like, is this really going to cause a problem? Like, really going to cause a problem? It's not like it's got a huge chain hanging from it attached to an, an earring or something. Right. So I don't... Obviously, I don't pick a side here. I bo- I think that uh, the whole thing was fucking stupid. But if the head official doesn't say anything until after the game starts or right as the game's about to start, then you have to start thinking about alternatives. Why would we be forced to use a sub for him if he never enters the field just because he was on the on the roster? Because you won't let him enter the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just it was just fucking weird, man. Anyways, so enough of that bullshit. After some bouts of uh, really, actually, really good possession down down a man, and, and a few shots that were turned away by a Hoffelner, City looked to be kind of finding its legs legs after nose ring gate kind of took it to cold. So, but then the worst happened. Duluth things began. Duluth became Duluth again, uh, and a questionable non call uh, as captain Duluth captain Kyle Farrar rode kind of the razor's edge of the back line. And what some people, you know, not just. Uh, from our perspective, but others that were at the game uh, from the Michigan side of things had said that it was a questionable non-call for, for an offside pass. But with the no-call, uh, an elder basically hung out to drive who almost came up with a fantastic kick save. He got a piece of it, but the, the ball slotted just to his um, just under his, his legs. And Farrar did what he does best, man. He buried his chances. And again, the same old thing is happening we had gone a whole season without this happening, <laughs> and then this happened. Uh, City's down one zero early, Nate. Yeah, man. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so 
so as as you as you mentioned, uh, you know, we're down to ten men, and Kyle Farrar, who we you know we haven't really seen a lot this season, and we and when we did see him, he didn't really act like Kyle Farrar. This he didn't is, even act like Kyle Farrar in this game, to be honest. But with this you. is the this Kyle one... Farrar we were looking for: is the guy that's like dancing right on the offside line, like ready to make his breaks, uh, and really looking to really looking to punish the back line for not paying attention to him. And I think you know when you, when your team comes out down ten men, you're worried about possession, you're worried about giving up that early goal because of it. Um, there's a lot going on in your head, a lot in your mind. I can understand that he that he would slip past you. I think I think the bummer in in my mind is that only after this score was scored did Martin Brown come on. Um, I think that like once you make that once you make that assessment that like Abdallah is not going to make it on the field, that it's not going to happen. Uh, you got to put him in. You got to use your sub as fast as possible and get this team up to full strength. So I was I was a little bummed that it took 17, 18 minutes. For, for Martin to hit the field, and it was only after we went down one nothing. But, um, you know, it is what it is, and there's no guarantee that even with at full strength, uh, Farrar wouldn't have been able to make that run and get past us. But this, this whole nose ring thing is psh, totally unacceptable to me. I think when it, happened to, when it happened to a team playing against us, when Dakota had the nose ring issue... It was a total joke to you and me up in the booth, and yeah. it's a total joke now. Like the only difference here is that we got about seven minutes of being a man up. Duluth ended up with what, fifteen, eighteen minutes and a goal. So that totally sucks, and that's something that we probably should have learned from. Well, the hard part about it was is you can't fault, uh, you know, Adam and and the staff uh, about not getting Martin in that quickly because you can't have a guy who who's been on a four or three game layoff for injury. Yeah just like pop him off the bench and go in the game no totally so like, understood yeah so it was like you know could we have put someone else in you could have but you want a player of martin's caliber in the game if you're not if the game plan was to have abdallah start the game and then bring martin in with fresh legs you know it, it whatever it <laughs> i don't want to belabor this but in the end it sucked we're down one nothing yeah but again City dug in, you know, like we have done this season with with almost the whole lion's share of possession. I didn't really see anything dangerous from Duluth come, um, and we were creating handful after handful of chances, quality chances that were continuously put out by Hoffelner, who we've now found is uh, was voted the the uh, nation or the national uh, goalkeeper of the year. Yeah. So and he let in twelve goals this year, with six of them coming from us. So something to hang your hats on. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So so fuck us for expecting him to to continue to let goals in from Minneapolis City, right? Right. Exactly. <sighs> so, but thirty minutes in, Brandon McGarity, who was also brought in from the injured reserve list after coming off of his hat trick performance and his his return from injury the week before, uh, was brought down on a on a good tackle by Ryan Trier that saw him um, unable to really move his shoulder and was sent to the sidelines in really clear discomfort. So in his best attempt to pull, you know, his lethal weapon impression, he puts his shoulder back into place, and seconds after receiving, uh, coming out of the field, receives a well pa- a well placed pass from Juan Luis on the left sideline, breaks the ankles of his defenders with a step over, and tucks home an equalizer easily past the the, na- the nation's best goalkeeper, uh, for the equalizer, and the boys are back in business, man. Yeah, the boys are back in town. I think here's the deal. <laughs> it wasn't like it was like an the 
uh, Sergio Ramos armbar or who on uh, on Mo Salah or anything like it was no, like I, you said it was definitely a clean tackle. He just, he just hit, his momentum carried him into the turf. Yep, you know, he hit like, the ground the wrong way. Uh, you know, at first I thought on the replay that it was his head that was messed up, but definitely his shoulder. And can you believe it, man? Like he walks off the field, gets his shoulder popped back into place, and then jumps back in and scores. I mean, what a <laughs> total stud! And I'll tell you what, like. All that adversity aside, that he, you know, the pain he had to play through up until that point, like, this is how we expected to play that whole half, right? He plays the whole fucking game. (laughs) Oh, after that, right. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like, but I mean, like, that kind of, that kind of attack, right? Oh, right, right. We're getting these well-placed passes, we're finding our guys in space, we're making, we're making runs that clear space for, for our strikers, and, uh, and they're able to break down a couple defenders, make their move, and put it past the keeper like that's city that's city ball this season that's what we were expecting to see and so when that when that goal went in i thought oh okay we're gonna be fine no problem here right but uh we were in for a kind of a long haul after that of no goals scored yeah so after the bells re-rang at halftime it was basically a game of negative soccer designed and perfectly executed by duluth honestly they they had very little bouts of possession in the in the first half. They scored a goal that might have been offsides, um, and they've been successful at playing negative soccer and bunkering down not only in certain parts of our season but in the beginning of the playoffs. Uh, so playing with less likely to win mentality and more likely to not lose mentality, uh, we we moved on into the half. So City continued to put pressure on the Blue Greens, but it took another Herculean effort or a few of them by Hoffner, who who stood the test and kept the scoreline knotted at 1-1. And after a a flurry of substitutions by both teams to kind of get fresh legs on, it was City that I still thought that looked, again, to be the better team um, and who would be the one that was for sure to score. But then, Nate, the worst fucking thing outside of a nose ring happened. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a couple couple (coughs) shots off off the posts... Yeah. Um, for us, a couple great saves by Hoffner. Like we were, Hoffner. Like we were looking pretty decent, man. It just wasn't wasn't dropping for us. It wasn't. So in in you know in extra time, a Liam Moore cross that was almost deflected out for a for a corner kick by Aaron Olsen, um, seemed to be squashed out like all others had been cross squashed out this season, um, in similar plays. But Miles Norville laid out to block the pass and it was deemed that he handled the ball in the box awarded Duluth a penalty kick. Yeah, man. I mean, after what 90 minutes of soccer that ends one, one, we go into extra time and it, and at this point it looks like, excuse me, at this point it looks like, like you said, Duluth was playing Duluth ball, bunkering down, planning for penalties, right? Yeah, Overtime and penalties. First planning for the extra time and then planning to ride that extra time out and, 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 try to go to penalties and it just it was kind of a bummer considering how hard fought the game was up until then when they right. decided to kind of turn off and 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 just dictate the fate of the game I guess uh yeah. definitely sucked and it really extra sucked like you said when it was when it turns out that we didn't even get that opportunity to PKs because uh little little handball call that that was that that took all the wind out of our sails at New Bohemia Wait, what took it to win us everyone's sales, not only at New Bohemia. So let me let me kind of circle back a little bit. So first off, the play itself, there was no way that Kyle Farrar, who was the only Duluth player in the box, was gonna get that ball. Like zero chance. 
because if you watch the tape, ultimately Matt Elder ended up with the ball in his hands, um, and he was actually further away from where the fan, the handball call occurred mm-hmm. than Ferrar was, and Matt got there, and Trey Benhart was right on his back. So the likelihood of anything happening there was low, uh, but Miles is such a big gangly dude that it, I don't I, I see why the ref called it the position he was in it looked like a handball. However, his hand was down to brace himself and his body is so long it looked like a handball. And but you I mean from that angle it did, but I don't really think it was. And even if it was a, a, a deliberate handball, that's an immediate yellow card. And there was not one given. And to with the dying stages of a game like that, you have to for a referee, you got to have the balls to be able to make that call to to put a, a team in a position to, that's statistically at an advantage to win a game with only minutes or seconds left to go via a penalty, unless it's a very very clear penalty. Yeah, man. Um, you know, a lot of talk about VAR. It's sort of been, this would have been a good uh, opportunity for VAR to rear its ugly head in the NPSL. Right, yeah, that's not in the budget this year. No. VAR. <laughs> so after much deliberation, Ramos stepped up and sent a low shot to Elder's right, and he got his fingers on it, man. He guessed the right way, but he wasn't able to. Uh, you know, Ramos hit it really hard in the low corner. He wasn't able to to uh, to knock it past the post. Uh, the ball goes in the net. Duluth had done it again, two to one, and the, the season was over. And you know, I um, I'm not the only person who thinks that we outplayed them. And they went after our game, and they and they played against Ann Arbor, and some weird shit happened again, and they they won that game in penalties. So, you know, as as much as folks that are tied to our organization or our fans don't like Duluth or people tied to, uh, attached to Duluth, um, I'm gonna say this: when it comes to winning titles, if you win a title, it doesn't really matter how you fuck you did it. You won the fucking title. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, I mean, I don't really think they played good soccer in the playoffs. I, I think they executed their game plan well, and they got some luck. And that's what you need. And, you know, hats off to them. They, they did it. And it only elevates our conference. So if you look at it from a positive perspective, from our standpoint, we went undefeated in our in our conference. And the, the team that came in second went on uh, a massive run in against the, the other teams in our in our um our region and went to the, the final four got fucking smoked by a team that was far better than them <laughs> like <laughs> n- night fucking day between those two teams uh the negative soccer did not work and <laughs> miami basically slapped him with their own dicks and uh you know it is what it is however they they made it there you, we what you <laughs> have been, you have been drinking vodka since 3 p.m <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I mean, honestly, <laughs> they got their shit kicked in, and it's on tape, man. Yeah. You can watch it. No, but... I, I agree, though. I think um, <laughs> I think after after the 120 minutes, basically, that they played us, um, I thought, no way are they gonna are they gonna beat Ann Arbor after tomorrow? But you know, the next day, on, did you on, watch those that game on little on little rest? Yeah, I watched the last. I watched all the extra time. Um, I missed all the goals. So well, go, go back, go back to the MPSO weekly yeah, show and I'm, watch I, the goals. I'm gonna rewatch it. Um, but they're they're, they're they're garbage, man. And they're then, really garbage. And then you go like, and then so they went another 120 plus penalties against Ann Arbor, who by the way shit the bed. Like Ann, yeah. Ann Arbor d- did not deserve to win that game. Just a dreadful penalty 
uh, penalty showing from them. And then, like you said, they went on did stomp by Miami. But it's not like it's not like a team. But who was the other team that was supposed to be? Uh, oh, the Cosmos. They yeah, got dropped Cos- by FC Motown. So like, uh, Little Rock s- got dropped too. Yep, I'm yeah, gonna say yeah. upsets galore in this NPSL playoff season, and it's uh, it's why the league is exciting. And it, I'm just happy that uh, that we're that we're big players in this uh, in this nationwide league. Right. And, you know, honestly, like I said, I. I, I tip my cap to them. They they won. They they figured out a way to win. That's how they won our division last year. They figured out a way to do it. Yep. And they figured out a way to win in the playoffs. And and it's it it only elevates our conference. Yeah. Which absolutely. At that point, if we're not in it any longer, I'm not rooting for them. I'm rooting for the fact that it elevates our conference. So I guess you got that for you. But anyways, we talked last week about the keys to victory. So why don't we kind of go back and and recap those and, and see how we did calling the outcome of this match. The first one was score goals. We scored one. Nope. They, nope. <laughs> didn't do it. Against a team like that that's typically gets kind of the lucky bounce and the benefit of the doubt, but also has the quality to be able to score goals in Farrar or Watt or um, um, the Brooks Rice or even some of the outliers like Ramos or uh, Liam Moore, those guys can score goals too. We, we have to outscore them, and we did it to every goddamn team this year. Except for the, the the ties we had, but that was just us grinding out a championship. And in this in this instance, we had to finish our chances, and we just did not. The next one was defend and attack as a unit. Uh, I, I kind of mentioned that a lazy pass or loss of a one v one battle or not kind of being locked in would lose would lose this game. And whoever was the first team to do that would be on the back foot. Yep. Our back our back line got stretched. A ball went through onside or offside besides the point. We weren't organizing the back line like we had always been this year. And they scored a goal first. And that was the difference maker. The final one was, I, I said, was have focused fun. And what I basically said was... It, it, for those of you who don't want to go back and listen to it, we need to remember that this is a high-pressure situation, but we also need to focus on not playing stiff and not making mistakes and just enjoying the stage and elevating your individual game in a relaxed fashion. That did not happen. We were immediately behind the eight ball with the whole nose ring mm-hmm. thing and the travel and all the other stuff that went into it, and we played stiff, and we played out of focus, and we got out of our... our our, our heads a little bit we got back into focus but it was almost too late to try to fight back against the team that bunkered down and a goalkeeper that was voted one voted the best and proved it against us so again kind of three for three nate we just didn't execute what we needed to do that were the, the simple things but it, it's not the end of the world that we didn't win this game it sucks but we had a fantastic season yeah man i think you know what when when I showed up to watch this to watch the game, and uh, saw the starting lineup, I talked to you a little bit. I was reminded of your comments, and you know that you that you had in the pregame that it was that it was all about having fun, and we're lucky to be here. We're happy to just be here, get out and have fun because because I realized that without Max Tegward, without Steve, um, without a number of our normal starters, uh, that you were already starting to temper expectations and and that's okay that's okay uh you know we can't uh, we can't win them all and that's the thing with this kind of league is like guys are always going to have school to go back to and uh, and other teams to go back to that they're not going to be able to uh to make it so sure. i'd rather i'd rather take an exciting regular season 
um, full of high quality players, then um, well, nah, that's it. I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to, I'd like for them to stick through it the whole time. But whatever. Well, I I elaborate a little bit on on that when we get get into our next segment, Nate. So why don't you kick that one off? Yeah, man. So the sun has set on the end on the 2018 NPSL season, and the players are starting to shift gears to college or their professional lives. But me and you, John, are going to hold on to that feeling for just one more week. So the first thing I want to talk about is just general thoughts that you and I have on kind of the progress of this organization this year. I think personally, despite some speed bumps uh, born out of our Wembley year, uh, Minneapolis City has definitely made some organizational strides. And I want to mm-hmm. I want to start with those before we dive into, into the nitty gritty. I want to kind of get your thoughts, what you think what you think they are. I will begin. Yeah, I think I'm ex- I'm excited that we are, in my mind, the respected development of of soccer talent in this in this state. We, the respected, well, you, I should say, can developer. You can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because yeah. there are development academies, and I don't want I don't want people to get confused. Yeah, so I'm not talking about like psh, we're not taking little kids and plugging them in and, and growing them and, and sending them off to great programs or to great colleges. I'm talking about when you ask academy coaches, when you ask college coaches, when you ask even some people within the Minnesota United organization, it feels like all eyes are on us to be the funnel for which local talent returns to Minnesota after either, you know, post high school, post college, um, during college, during, whatever, during right? Home. That like this, this funnel of young talent after the academy process comes next to us, it feels like in one way or the other. And that that's we are the we are kind of the next place for that talent to to get showcased in in the best way and i think a lot of coaches around from what you've told me and from from stories i've heard from other people a lot of coaches around the state and uh and elsewhere are really excited about that i would agree with you you know being the fact that i am kind of the the recruiter i wouldn't say i'm the only not the i'm the only person who brings talent into the club but I, I, it's it's my job to to keep the the, the pipeline full of players. Yeah, uh, I would one hundred percent agree with you. You know, I I talk to a lot of college coaches. I talk to a lot of players that are out of college, that are maybe moving back here, or maybe some had successful stints, you know, for periods of time at higher levels, and and some you know some did not, and they're they're back in town looking for a platform. And you're you're one hundred percent right, Nate. And it doesn't slight anything that. You know any other team in our in our conference or in Minnesota does, but everyone else is importing talent and we're not. Yeah, so that's exactly ha- kind of what makes me feel better about not about bombing out when we bombed out of the NPSL tournament right, or the NPSL playoffs. It's like you know mm-hmm. what we did it our way for the entire season. We had a, a hyper successful regular season, and just the way that our team commitments fell based on who we built the team out of. That's just the talent we were left with, and that's how and that's how the game fell fell to us. So well, I don't feel also, too bad. It's part of my acceptance phase, John. It well, it absolutely is. But <laughs> think about think about one thing. Would, would we have predicted in the beginning of the season that we would not see Shea bottom for the entire year because of work? No. You know, like that's something you can't predict. That we're talking about the best player in the country at the Division three level and a performer that we could have had on our roster. And we, we can help him cultivate his soccer career while he is working. You know, like, 
another thing to put in there. But yes, I, to answer your question, I, I agree that we're probably one of the, if not the top respected developer of talent and cultivator of competitive environment post high school. Yeah. John, up next, I want to talk about kind of the big wins from this last season. And I don't mean necessarily only games. I mean, conceptually, what are some of the big accomplishments that this team has, uh, has achieved? And I think of course the obvious one is winning the NPSL North. Um, but not only that, doing it in an undefeated fashion. And I think, uh, like you, like we've always said, you know, the teams had set out three goals at the beginning of the season. We achieved all three, even though they were, in my opinion, stretch goals, <laughs> looking at looking at what we had, um, you know, we did it, and we did it with uh, with some panache, and we got people style. Really, we, with some style. We got people really excited about Minneapolis City soccer. So I think the way we won the NPSL North uh, is just as big of a win as that we won the NPSL North. Uh, and then finally, I think for a game, I would say the big win for me is the. 5-1 away victory at VSLT. Up to this point, VSLT had been, I think, the top of the table. They had come out of the gates really strong. We were wondering, like, who was for real? Are they for real or are we for real? How is this season going to play out? And uh, I think that was the uh, that was the beginning of the end for, for VSLT right there as we put the hurt on them. Speaking of the beginning of the ends, I start off with the 5-0 win against Dakota Fusion at home. Oh, yeah. And that that one for me, Nate, stood out because the fact that that was coming off of a, a hard-fought 3-2 win to beat Rochester at home. And it was our second showing at, at, our, at our, Wembley, <laughs> our Wembley Stadium for this year. And it was a hat-trick by Whitney. It was a Stiegwart chip. It was a, a Martin Brown Jr. upper 90 banger. It was just all these things we hadn't seen last year. And... I didn't know if if the the 3-2 game was luck against a good Med City team and we just grinded one out and it was a good springboard until we hit this game right after and it was absolutely like everybody needs to watch out because Minneapolis City can score goals this year and yeah. have a stingy defense and look what they just did to the team that finished second place ahead of them last year. So it was kind of a Duluth, if you think you're going to come back and win the league, you might need to watch out because city city's pissed and they're ready to play. So that was kind of my, my first one. My second one was the addition of David Bloomquist, our trainer from TCO and outside of the players and maybe their their friends and family and, you know, people close to the organization don't really know the value of someone like David. If, If you don't know who David is, David's an MLS caliber trainer. I mean, he has the pedigree. He's worked with Minnesota United in the past before they they went out with a different um, training partner. But his inclusion into our our organization was invaluable. Not because of the fact that he can just be there to like fix guys when they crack their heads open or whatever, <laughs> you know. But he led our warm ups. He worked with our coaching staff on recovery recovery sessions. He evaluated fitness levels. Yeah, you know he. He got guys off the training table. Um, you know, Brandon McGarity tore his hamstring, and he came back and still played the season in a shortened season, and he played well. <laughs> so, it's pretty um, amazing. In, invaluable. Big win. Hope he comes back to us next year. We were a little, uh, we were a little, we played injuries close to the vest a little bit 
this season. I think we knew general timetables in general. It was it was similar to the way an NHL injury is is treated yeah. like lower lower injury, something going mm-hmm. on in the leg. Um, so, but right. I think like knowing what what you know, and and from what you know you just mentioned, like it this, I had no idea that this guy was so involved in the day to day, you know, city machine. Yep. I thought he was he at just, every just, every training session, and he was at every match, uh, home match, because obviously he didn't have the ability to travel away matches. But he probably would have if uh, we were paying him to do it. Yeah. But it was part of our sponsorship deal. But it was it was fantastic having him around. And also, he's just a good dude. He's one of us. You know, he like he just gets it. Yeah. Sweet. I think um, you know. Moving on, I want to talk about teachable moments there were some highs of course the big wins but there were also some lows or some 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 points of of learning throughout the season and i will start with how about don't wear your nose ring to a game <laughs> i'm just kidding um i think my my biggest teachable... you can wear it to the game just yeah. don't wear it when you enter the game i think my biggest teachable moment from this season is not to take any games for granted um and whether that means whether that means game planning for it, whether that means as a player not showing up 100% ready, but I also think uh, that also means kind of as a as a team, not uh, you know making sure that you're bringing your best players and putting your best foot forward and making sure that everybody is is committed. Um, you know, I think there were a couple times this season. Obviously, the draw to Eris is one example. The draw to the first game, the draw to, to Sioux Falls is another example. Um, you know, we couldn't have asked for a better result on the on this season as a whole. But I think if we're looking for ways to improve, ways to learn, that's that's a big one. Don't take any games for granted. My second one is uh, is location is key. Well, this would be your third one, Nate, if you're counting. The it. nose ring one was fake. <laughs> it was still it still one. <laughs> the nose ring one was. I'm just kidding. Uh, I think, <laughs> but I, it's I'm, still a teachable moment. I, it. I guess that's true. Um, but I think location is key. What we learned is, you know, while we're going to get our supporters coming out um, to games at Osseo, really where where we bring in people from the community and bring in your casual Minneapolis City fan is back in Augsburg. So I'm really excited to uh, for the opportunity to hopefully return to the Nelly next year and and really build on build on our fan base. Um, my my first one, is, I agree with all those, Nate. I only have two. Uh, my first one is Slacker. kind of a. Uh, yeah, well, we didn't. Your first one <laughs> didn't count, anyways. I thought that's true. Uh, so my first one is it's. A, I have a little bit of a different teachable moment, and my, mine's more of a. I, I mentioned I would come back to this mm-hmm. earlier on. So in the MPSL, people tend to forget about things very quickly, and I mean I mean this in the fact that we won a division. We're the top seed in the region. We're one of the best teams in the country for the league power rankings. And that all this stuff should not be forgotten because we didn't win a playoff game. So my teachable moment is this year we lived up to all the hype. And we shattered expectations. And my, my thing that we need to learn from this is it's over now. We, we can remember how it ended but we have to prepare for the next for the, the next season without losing sight of how massively successful this summer was. Yeah. And my second point is the value of the U23 team we started this year. We talked about it before. Um, players have talked about it. The coaching staff has talked about it. We set ourselves up for success by at the MPSL level, bringing in those players because 
almost every game day roster had one player from the U23s elevated to that team. They played. They didn't just sit the bench. They didn't just come up and sit the bench. They played. Yep. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. Like, Troy backed up uh, Matt after, you know, after James left. But he did get into the Dakota game. Yep. So it wasn't – I mean, but again, that's a position on an island. So it's not It's not like he's a center midfielder and it's like, oh, you're just going to travel to Dakota and not play. You know what I mean? So uh, by and large, every single one of those players played. And from the, the sentiment that I got from the, you know, the uh, talking to these players after the season ended, the U23 players, was that – they felt it was even more valuable than we thought it was for them. The, you know, the preparation to get them ready to go back to school, the preparation where some guys might not have been quite ready for the MPSL, but after this year, now they are because they were in the environment and it got our MPSL team ready and supplemented in the right ways. And that to me is a teachable moment across the board. It, you know, if you have a, a, a quality in quotation marks reserve team, you win the fucking league. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what's funny is that, to me, when when people would play Minneapolis City, well, for instance, like if people when people play Duluth, you know who you're gonna get, and you can rattle them off. You get Kyle Ferrar, you're gonna get Tom Cocker, you get Joe Watt, you're gonna get Hofflinger, right? You're gonna get uh, Soria Wakabayashi, you're gonna get all these, you know, Guni Bintal, right? You know yeah. all the players, right? When you play Minneapolis City, you can rattle off probably five guys you expect to see, but the other. You know, the other five position players out there are kind of up for grabs based on who's hot, um, who's right. coming, who's hurt, who's coming off the bench, and which of the U23s come up. So it just adds that extra level. It added that extra level of, of uh, dubiousness to, to our game planning that I really, really enjoyed. And I think that's something that's super valuable for, for our team moving forward. Great, I would substitute great call. Dubi- I would substitute dubiousness with professionalism. Ah, that too. That, Professional that, dubiousness. I mean, like, there's a smokescreen there. You just you just never know what you're gonna. Well, you know, you can't see behind the veil if you're if you're not in the coach if you're not in the training room. It's how professional teams are run. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look at Sporting KC when Minnesota United went down to Sporting KC and played against them uh, in in a game. They brought up a 17 year old from their academy to play because of of injuries at center midfield. And he and fucking the kids, crushed. He, the kid crushed it and scored a goal. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? It's like every level of soccer, pro or amateur or semi-pro or professional amateur, whatever you want to call it, needs to have this in order for you to be successful. The only downside was that we didn't have a league for them to play in, the U23. So we had a non-league schedule that you know we try to do our best to schedule quality. I believe we did schedule quality for them, but it could have been better. And they, they really didn't have anything to play for. It was more of... Stay sharp for college. Yeah, but they ben- they benefited from that, and they and they benefited from the fact that there was always that dangling carrot. Like this is the team that you could be playing on if you perform, and it, the performers played on it. That's nice. Uh, up next, I want to I want to do a little bit of a coaching staff review because now yes. in, in the third iteration of of Minneapolis City, the third season, our coaching staff has evolved just as much, if not more, than the than the players on the field. And I think that it's important from year to year to kind of go back and take a look at what we feel was what made 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 the coaching staff successful and where there are there is room to grow. So, um, sure. John, why don't you take it away? Because you have the best working relationship of the two of us with all the coaches. Uh, first off, they're all fired because we didn't win a playoff game. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> yep, Cl- classic sporting classic director. professional sports. Like I expect the best, and if you can't give it to me, get the fuck out. 
Yeah, just burn burn the ground. Mm-hmm. Don't burn don't don't burn the top of the trees. Burn the ground. <laughs> no, but since I am kind of responsible for the coaching staff being in my position, you know, I thought from from a coaching perspective there was just a massive step forward this year. But there can always be room for improvement, right? Because it you know everyone can improve. Where things got better first and foremost was in planning. Not only um, how we put the team together and and the planning involved in that. But how the team's style was built and put into practice, and the scouting we did, um, myself and the coaching staff, and you know even the folks in the front office, Dan and Sarah did some some scouting, and so did you. You you know you gave us your thoughts when you went and saw VSLT play. Yep. But all that information that we all gathered went into the coaching staff, and they had to implement the team and the style and the and the game plan to focus against those teams and they 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 did it well we had consistent numbers in training uh we had a con- we had a consistent training time and the location this year no weird rainouts because we played indoors for our training um uh <clears throat> once that was secured the coaches were put on the stage to show what they can do uh, and what they can do with that consistency and the performance of that was an undefeated season and and that was that was the ultimate result. So so hats off to them. Yeah, I think part of the success here, John, was the coaching staff's um, flexibility this year in in their preparation. Right, they didn't go out with the same game plan, the same look week after week. They kept the opposition guessing. It's actually what we just talked about because we had right. so many pieces that we could slot in, and unfortunately because we had so many injuries over the course of, over the course of the season, the consistency um, in uh, in this team really came from the training throughout the week and getting everyone on the same page. And I think that that's, uh, that's awesome. That's something that was really missing definitely last year and, and woefully the year before. <laughs> well, year one's always weird, but it's almost <laughs> like you're, you're, you're reading my notes. Great lead into my next point. What? My next, my next point is that, that was totally to- accidental. Oh, well you told, uh, sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my next point is commitment to accountability. This year, more than the past seasons, the staff did a really great job of setting expectations for not only the team, but the individual players, and then holding them accountable to those expectations. Yep. So with num- with, with our, our consistent training ground and time, and it being indoors, and we didn't have any rainouts where other teams were, were missing practice, uh, you know, with those numbers at training, grew player performance out of that. And their willingness to put the work in because, and it was apparent on the field. There, there was none of the, um, you know, the the old piece where it would be like, well, we have to just pick 14, 15 guys to go to this away game because it's the only people we have. Now we had more players to select from, um, and if the players didn't make it to training or didn't have a valid excuse for missing training, um, it, you know, it, it hurt in the first couple years. But this year we had other players step up. So if and if the guys were hurt. Um, other players stepped up because the coaching staff prepared that individual player with clear direction and expectations for themselves. So, I mean, I thought across the board, they did great. Yeah, John, in, in interview after interview that I did, the players were echoing what the coaches were saying as as keys to the game, right? It was almost almost like they'd been coached all, all week and they could remember it when called upon, um, which is important, right? I think the level of buy-in on this team from the players to what the coaches were, were trying to were trying to do was off the charts. And I think mm-hmm. that that is, again, a, a p- direction in, in a positive uh, this year over the other years. Yep, absolutely. So I want to kind of go off 
off script a little bit maybe and we'll talk about like individually you and me like i each want us to talk <laughs> about one thing that we really enjoyed about the team this year let's get real deep and maybe one thing that really got our goat like what got your what gets your goat john what, what grinds your gears what gr- <laughs> <laughs> well first off i'll start with what i enjoyed so the players, the fans, the staff, I mean, I include you in the staff. Um, everyone who's aligned with the club had a certain feeling this year from the get-go. And, and the brotherhood we joke about at times was, was there. Brotherhood is no it, joke. It is no joke. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we, we had our laps. You know, everyone harkens back to the video of, of Ben Wexler that uh, was posted <laughs> on Twitter that was like, what do you think the key to victory is? He's like, the brotherhood. And it, it, it's a thing, you know, smiles were on faces and regardless of individual performance, winning was the most important thing on everyone's mind and it was celebrated as a community. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Um, anyways, what made me sad? Uh, so this is less of a what grinds my gears and what made me sad. And I'm going to say fans of soccer. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound odd. Because we have such a great fan base here, you know, others may not like our fans, but, you know, there are fans and and we love them. But it was soccer community as a whole that really got to me. And look, I get allegiance to your colors and to your team, but this season more than ever, the bickering on like social media and even in in person and the disgusting language used at people and and the personal attacks on others... Uh, the total disregard for the fact that this is just a game that we're playing here. Um, and and most mostly, all these organizations work tirelessly on the back end for zero money and on you know shoestring budgets um, to make this thing go. It, it made me sad. It really did. Because, you know, it got to a point, Nate, where I wanted to step away from social media because my feeds were constantly, every week or every time we played a game or every... Week in and week out, we're flooded with people focusing more on uh, more of their time on taking down others and other teams, and less time on applauding their teams for their performance. Yeah, John, I I think there were a couple weeks that maybe I wasn't on social media quite as much, and one of those weeks I think got really bad. So uh, I'm kind of relieved and still a little bummed that I missed that because I would have liked, you know, without kind of going over the gory details. Here it'd be like I don't want to get people to, you know, recap it for me if I really wasn't there, and I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole myself. But I agree. Like I think that for me, some of that behavior, some of that negative behavior, definitely spilled over into the stands as well over the course of the season. And I'm gonna say it wasn't really limited to opposing fans. I think my main point is is that as a fan, um, we should stick to talking about soccer, right? Yeah, we know that. Some supporters of visiting teams had to be asked to move, um, to, to lay off personal attacks aimed at the bench, aimed at our staff. Um, but I'm going to say our supporters also had their moments. I mean, there was a time when they were ripping Sioux Falls players, reading from their social media profiles, getting really personal. Like, that's not something you really need to do against Sioux Falls. Like, <laughs> these are high school kids that are, that, that commit, that made the commitment yeah that are doing their best that made the commitment to come all the way to minneapolis to get their shit kicked in like you don't need to you don't need to rub their face in it man like what's the point in either instance what's the point of ripping the ripping the bench and ripping the staff um when really the product in the field is what you should be focused on um but i want to finish on a positive 
I'm going to say that this season showed that Minneapolis City, this team, really this whole organization, is a, is about one perfectly located stadium away from becoming a really big deal here in town. Um, if we take last year's successful grassroots campaign and get fans in the seats, that on-field product is really is there to keep fans coming back. The players, they make, and the players are the ones that make all the difference, right? They're signing autographs, they're giving high fives, they're getting excited about the fans' contribution. This is what local soccer is all about. It's this like symbiotic relationship between the players and the fans, and it all comes from everyone being accessible and happy to be at the game. Off the field, I think the look of the team, the message, it's all there too. There is really nothing better right now for me than watching this team grow into itself and bring fans new and old along for the ride. Well, how awesome was it, like the fans and the team singing together after we won the title? Yes, like that kind of thing. Right, like I I get goosebumps talking about that kind of thing because it was just so awesome. Uh, Because like I mentioned before, like we, we celebrated our success as a community and it really was just that. Yeah, it's the kind of organic, really like, really heartwarming thing that is where Wonderwall came from, you know. And look how big that got. So like, that's the kind of stuff you really want out of a out of a grassroots soccer organization or any grassroots organization. And that's emotional buy-in from everyone, and we've got it. So I love it. I it's love a it. pity we didn't we didn't have our own Wonderwall no. because you would have heard it every time we played. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so let's get on to the awards, John. Let's talk about some individual accolades. Um, and I'm going to say these are unofficial awards because... The official People's the official Pitch podcast, uh, the unofficial unoff- awards. Exactly. And in no way are these, uh, are these awards endorsed by the team or really by anyone except for me and John. Uh, <laughs> so we'll start with the Young Player of the Year. This is the player that um, maybe is, that is definitely new to the team, and is just a little guy coming on up in his soccer world. Uh, last year's Young Player of the Year winner, by unanimous vote of two, was Max, Max Kent. And this year, I'm going to say Juan Luis. I think um, I think as someone that everyone was excited about, especially Adam, coming into the season. I remember when we interviewed him uh, in your home studio. Adam said the player to look out for is Juan Luis, man. And as soon as Adam figured out where he was best uh, best used on the field, Juan was a contributor. And I think he was a contributor beyond his years. When you talk about the ability to find a great pass, he found Brandon McGarity in our playoff game. Uh, he was able to, him and Siku were able to play off each other uh, for that final goal in, when Duluth was here. Uh, really composed, calm, killing time, able to score still... the game winner against VSLT. Yeah, like all that stuff. Like this kid could find the net, he can find feet, and he can um and he can do a couple couple cool tricks with that ball. And I think just as when you're talking about a young guy who's still got a couple years ahead of him in in college, uh, and hopefully a couple years coming back to Minneapolis City, this is a guy to get excited about. That's going to really develop in our system. I agree with you. I think I think Juan did a great job, and I think I mentioned it too a few shows back that when he first came to us, it was a little bit of deer in the headlights. Um, you know, going from high school to college is a big jump, which, yeah. which he made. But going from college and and going into this league, and specifically with the physicality of our division, it, he had some things to work on, and you could tell every time he got an opportunity he performed and and as we move into the years you know as we bring him back in the sky really is the limit for him within our team but i slightly disagree with you oh that's fair my player is max kent 
And it seems odd because, like you mentioned, uh, not only is he older than Juan, but this is the second year in a row that he gets my vote. He was an absolute rock in the back. And he not only was a, a, a rock in the way he played, but he was a leader. You know, he was very vocal. And others followed by his example. And at the tender age of 20, he was also um, voted an all-league selection, beating out, um, you know, a few other good center backs that are in our division, but also... Trey and Miles, who you could arguably say if they had three of the best center backs in the league, it could be our three. So I, I, I give my vote to Max Kent. Fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it, man. I was really disappointed that he didn't make the trip to Duluth. It would have been would have been helpful, but he was sick, and that sucks. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's like I said, one of those things that I think you were getting us ready ready for that acceptance. <laughs> um, let's move on to most improved. And this is the player that... Um, didn't necessarily start low on the total, uh, you know. Didn't it's not like they started like awful. But we need we. This is a player that we saw improvement over the year before, um, and so this is definitely going to go to someone that had been on the team prior last year. Uh, you gave it to Goose, and I gave it to Kevin Hoof, uh, who unfortunately could could not join us this year. This year, I think it seems unfair, maybe to give it to Whitney Brown giving his injury history from last year, but I'm gonna. I think um, no one should feel slighted by this award. I think Whitney Brown came came on strong this year, was ready to play. We talked about it early in the podcast, early in the season. This guy was hungry as hell, and he came out and scored goals on goals on goals. He was burning guys down the wing. It was great to see Whitney Brown back in top form. I will say Whitney Brown is most improved this year. I cannot agree with you more, Nate. It, it does sound stupid to say that Whitney is selected here because he's such a special player. But this year, um, you know, coming off this appointment of last year, like you mentioned, you know, a year ago, he just was he just didn't get the chips did not fall in his his way last year. But this is the type of response you expect from a player like him. He leveled up in every facet of the game, both on and off the field, um, and he even was dubbed the owner of Dakota Fusion on Wikipedia for a brief moment. <laughs> That's true. So, so, I mean, how could you not give it to him? <laughs> <laughs> Up next, we have Newcomer of the Year. This award will go out to uh, one of the new faces on Minneapolis City, of which there were many when it comes to the U23s, even some of our mid, uh, mid-season mid signings. Uh, we had a lot of guys join join up and, and really contribute to this team. And, uh, John, why don't you take this one to start? Sure. So, to me, there literally is no question here. It's got to be Nick Hutton. He, like Whitney, maybe maybe a surprise because though unless you're close to the club and know him from his, his Stegman set of work, um, this is his first full year with the we'll call it the the senior team. Yeah. But he was fan he was fantastic. You know, some people look at him as being a Division One former Division One sprinter. Um, yeah, he he possesses that level of speed. But the fight he has to battle in a historically physical division. Um, not only did he score goals. Um, you know, he, including that worldie he scored against the nurses down in Rochester, but his willingness to make the, the necessary run off the ball where at times he didn't get it, but he made the run consistently to clear space out for other players on the team. Um, but when he did get the ball and, and he got it off and he scored goals and he was always willing to set up his teammates. Yeah, man. Um, I made a noise cause I'm going to be honest and say that Nick totally slipped my mind here for newcomer of the year. Because he joined the team last fall on that U.S. Open Cup qualifying run. Like, he was on the bus with us to Aurora. So, Score the winner in Aurora. I know, and I had predicted it. Anyway, my <laughs> so I was like, 
I, I totally had forgotten that Nick was was a newcomer to this team. Um, so I like I like your vote. My thought this year was Justin Oliver for all the reasons that really I should have picked Nick. Um, he, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> he made an immediate impact. I think he's an exciting ass goal scorer. He's a total speed demon, and this guy is comfortable playing any role. I think he was just having just as much fun this year, um, setting up goals and and kind of kind of disrupting disrupting the defense and caught and wreaking havoc as he was scoring goals. Uh, I, I really liked seeing him. I think you know he has a goofy attitude on the on on the pitch. Um, I hope he comes back with us. I hope he was happy with his time uh, with Minneapolis yep. City. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, uh, moving on to offensive MVP. Uh, last year, oh, forgot to mention last year's breakout player surprise um, was uh, was uh, Charlie. Yep. Well, yeah. he deserved it. <laughs> yeah, the newcomer of the year was Charlie. Um, Once again, uh, uh, someone who we th- who you might not think about because they played in the Open Cup. Yep. Uh, so moving on to offensive MVP. Last year's winners were Miles Stockman Willis. And a uh, and a Will Goose combo. Uh, this year's offensive MVP for me uh, is Will Kidd. Nobody is going to set the tone for the attack like Will. He was scoring. He was passing. He's doing the intangibles. He really turned it up this year and became the linchpin of our front four. No matter who we had out there, we knew we were always uh, we always had a chance with Will Kidd. Yeah, no doubter on this one. I think you're right on this one, Nate. Uh, it, it has to be Will. Much like Hutton, he will always, you know. He, he he was always, and I mean always, involved in getting us on the score sheet. Not only putting the ball in the back of the net himself, yeah. but working over defender after defender in the division. With a, with a swagger, though, this year that he didn't really have in the past two seasons. Yep, a physicality. Um, yeah, physic. I, I mean, I'm just going to call it a, a, a swagger. I like the swagger. Yeah. Um, and most times only stoppable by, you know his own undoing or being chopped down in the box, which led to many penalty kick goals for his other teammates. So yeah, no doubt. It definitely will kick. I love it. Uh, up next defensive MVP. Last year's winner was uh, Trey. It was the second year. Trey Benhart had won uh, by unanimous vote this year. I'm going to pick Aaron Olson, another Minneapolis city veteran here. Um, but I think Aaron Olson was whether he was slotting in at center back, which he did occasionally, or or in his usual um, or his usual spot out wide on defense, Aaron was able to kind of dial back the mouth, dial back the attitude, and just be a professional defensive player that got the job done. The guy was up the field, down the field, on the side, scored a couple goals from his position, put a couple dangerous crosses into the box, and um, God, and definitely knew exactly where to be and and how to break his guy down when it was time to uh, when it was time to back up on defense. I was really impressed with Aaron this year. I think um definite definite defensive MVP in my mind. Yep, I another one we agree on wholeheartedly. Uh also wearing the armband this year. So Ao was an absolute rock. Mm. And and he regained the form that made him a formidable foe for any forward in the league. Um a year after he he had hernia surgery last year. So in his first season with us, forwards did not want to face him in the PLA. And then last year being injured and trying to play through it just didn't work for him. But taking the time off, he came back healthy and rightfully earned being the captain by not only his play on the field, but his ability to kind of be that extension of not only myself, but the coaching staff in the locker room. All right. And finally, team MVP overall best player uh, 
with Minneapolis City. Last year's winner was a unanimous Martin Brown Jr. pick. This year, John, I am going with Max Stiegwert. City tweeted it out today, John. Eight wins, one draw, a plus 23 goal differential, 33-4 and 10 against in games that Max was in. Um, the NPS from NPSL Northerner today about about games that he wasn't in. Only two wins for City, three draws, and of course, our last loss. Uh, Max had the goal of the season in my mind, and in every game he played... Uh, he There's was... no way that he beats out of dollar for that goal. I'm going to disagree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, There's okay. no way. No Come on, way. That, thing was, that thing was so so beautiful. Anyway, no I, way. <laughs> I think in every game that Max played, he was able to ignite the offense and anchor that defense. Um, he was able to win back control of the ball any time that either he lost it or he, it came anywhere near him, and he was able to turn and move forward. And that is something that, for the past couple years, has been what I've been looking for out of a midfielder from Minneapolis City. Plus, he's just fun to watch. Like the goofy shit he was doing with, with <laughs> Twin Stars where he's on the ball doing Fortnite dances, stuff like that. I just thought um, Max Stewart was a great, great player to have on the team this year. And... My vote for team MVP. Really nothing, again, I agree with you, nothing really much to add here. I mean, he's a former U.S. Under, uh, youth international. So right there, it speaks to the fact of his pedigree. Yeah. But, um, you know, he was voted in the nation's best 11, and rightfully so. I mean, I used to play his position, and if you look at his running mate, Steve, who also, I think, had a fantastic season. Yes. I'd like to see the stats with them together. Yeah. Uh, if, if we could look into that, maybe if someone's listening, they could put that together. Ooh, yeah. um, but um, more times than not, when you play that number six or number eight defensive midfielder position, you know, and if you don't hear their name called, it means they're having a great game because they're just doing the dirty work. But he was able to kind of elevate his game to to get the recognition, and and he not only dictated, like you said, the flow of the offense and the and the flow of the defense, um, and and the the uh, the rewards came with that, and definitely rightfully so. Like I said, voted in the best eleven, um, and you know. <laughs> Nate, when when Stiggy was in the lineup, we won games. So, you know, I fear that we'll, we may, you know, he may move on to greener pastures uh, of turf at a higher level if he builds off of the summer season in his final year at uh, at Central Florida. But if not, I would be more than happy to welcome him back with open arms. Yeah, I I think so too. I I think I'd love to have him back. I think he'd be obviously he was he was having a ton of fun on this team. Um, as was is pretty clear, but there's got to be something better for this guy, and I think we're going to hear a little bit more from him in the off season about some uh, some moves that he that he could be making. I would hope. I would. Before hope. we move on, if we can talk briefly about the fact that so he left us last year to go play in the PDL, only to return because of the fact that that league didn't offer him what we could offer him in the MPSL. Yeah, which and is um, it, exposure and a great game experience. Right. Exactly. So. Definitely want to slide that in before we get on to the next. And a less tropical season. climate. Right. <laughs> right. The guy was basically playing in the, in the jungle. Oh, 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 so brutal. So brutal. Well, uh, you know, John, before we before we close out here, let's talk about next steps. Like, what are we, what's the next thing that's going to happen with Minneapolis City? What are we, what's, we're, we're done. And it's, it's hard to kind of think that, 
we're facing this uh, this empty space of no no Minneapolis City soccer. But behind the scenes, things are going to be things are going to be happening. Gears are going to be turning, and we're going to be working hard to to bring the team to the next level in in 2019. What kind of stuff is uh are you working on? Well, so the only thing really, Nate, like you mentioned, is just time to get back to work. But before we do that, let's take a nice deep breath and just relax a little bit. Things from a team perspective are over. Player evaluations ha- have begun. And now is the time for me personally to punch back in over the next two weeks and hit the recruiting trail. And it's really just business as usual. We just got to set the foundation again and, and get back at evaluating talent and building the roster for 2019. And to not get ahead of ourselves, we qualified for the U.S. Open Cup. <laughs> like, the like, real like U.S. Open Cup. Quali- like, real qualified. <laughs> yeah, like, so gone is that stupid bullshit qualifying round that seems to always kick us in the dick. Yeah. Uh, they can't kick us out this time. Can you, U.S. soccer? You, bas- you bastards. Can, can you? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> I hope me saying that doesn't mean they're going to kick us out. Um, but it, it's way too early to tell how things will shake out um, with who will will play and who will host and what's going to go on with that thing. But our main preparation point, Nate, now is identifying the players that we maybe didn't bring in that are going to school and that are going to be coming back after their freshman year. So it's 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 re- reloading the hopper of the U23 team. And it's, it's elevating the guys that performed off the U23 team. And maybe some guys that performed on the U23 team that that we didn't elevate this season for various reasons. I think, you know, one in particular, um, Arthur Perrins, who plays at Gustavus, came off a massive leg break. He, he plays a number 10 role, uh, something that we are a little light on. And, uh, you know, maybe you see him come back in and, and play play valuable minutes next year with the MPSL team now that he's fully healthy and he's had a year with our organization. So a lot of things we have to do still. And, and, you know, I, I talked about it at length that I, I watch so much soccer in the fall because of all the guys that are moving around and all the moving pieces. And, you know, I'm going to take two weeks and then once the college season starts, I'm, I'm back at it. Yeah, man, I think I'm with you for me. The next steps are really Keep checking out these Minneapolis City players because you know a lot of them are going to be a lot of them are going to be local. You've got Will Kidd going back for his senior year at St. Thomas. Max is right in town, right in town here at McAllister. Um, players at Gustavus, players at Drake. Plenty of trips to be made if you want to see and support some Minneapolis City players. And just think about how like cool that would be if you were them to know that there are players, there are fans coming to see them, not because they love their college or not because they're their family, but because they're actually fans of you. Like that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of love and development, development that I, I like to see in this team that gets me really excited. So that's kind of my plan for this offseason, John, is to, uh, to watch, to watch a little more city, squeeze a little more city out of this fall. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I fully anticipate us having at least two trips to, uh, to St. Paul for us to get brunch again and watch McAllister versus yeah. St. Thomas. Yeah, a couple couple <laughs> quick tailgates across the river. That's for sure, man. R- right, exactly. So that is all for the 2018 season, folks. Thank you, as always, to our sponsor, Summit Brewing. Basically been with us all season and since the beginning. Before the summer gets too far away from us, be sure to check out a fantastic new brew from our friends cooked up. The Lazy Sipper, not to be confused with the Lady sip, lady Slipper or the Lazy Stripper. <laughs> the, my, my wife now calls it Lazy Stripper, which is kind of funny. Um, 
This this summer ale with just the right hint of strawberries is fantastic. Give it a try and you will not drink another beer again. I promise, maybe. Summit, a more meaningful brew since 1986. If you... If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give to the club that loves to give back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. Look for us the, uh, the remaining this summer, playing with kids in parks and community centers all around the city, and consider a tax-deductible donation, never too late to do that, to a city-focused organization. Send us email. You never do, except for one person. It's super easy. Hit us up on Twitter at the People's Pitch or through email mcsepodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, you can hit up the club at MPLSCitySC. Stay tuned for our off-season schedule from a podcast perspective where we will bring you lots of great content like our City at School segments. We'll bring you more influencers of the game. We'll bring you. We'll bring back some of the players to talk about this past year and the massive success that they had and use that mailbag to tell us what you want us to talk about. You are the people. This is the people's show. We will talk about what the people want. Just tell us. And that is all a final bow on the 2018 season. We once again... We leave you with our house MC Miles Stockman Willis, aka Millais, with a track called Loco. I am John. That is Nate. We'll be back soon, but until then, one last time, you got hoofed. Got a lot of the ball lately. Yep. Balling on them like, like a ball bearing. Uh-huh. Solo local pulling hair. Crazy. What? Run the show like I ran. Aaron soon start going ball. Maybe what? people staring with that brum. Wearing. Yep. Wanna make uh, you a star, baby. Chromosome yep. to the perfect parent. She way more than alright. Bad bitch in her genotype. Damn right, I'm tryna pipe. Only ride if the settles right. So high that settle light. Goosebumps from the linen. Goosebumps cause she's sinning. Baddie, touch her cut. That's hitting. Drop the tape like I'm finished. I should live in Finland. Couple homies speak Finnish. Pen the drug, penicillin. My pocket pissing this villain. My inner drive at the ceiling. Despicable how I'm feeling. Millions like minions. Rap star slash rap star built a team support not far they bring the whole pr if only a sliver in my health bar underdog the way i come back overcast make them run laps in the club raining cats and dogs where the fuck the umbrellas at No, I got the juice. Got a big head, need a wider noose. Yes. Can't feel my face, still it's kinda loose. Feel it. Been the truth, not it approved. Not a chain look like glitter glue. Glitter. Other chain got a darker hue. You. Take a cruise, tip the whole crew. All whole fridge yeah. from yeah. Whole Foods. Yeah. I'm rock hard, stoned offline. Stone. First time that she rock climb. First. Treat me like some rock candy. Nasty. Now she wants a rock wife. Well worded with a slight slang. Boss. She the same cause her tongue rang. Yum. Throw shade when she sunbathe. 50 bands with my heart hang. Just some G's and G events, she villas chillin', we just venting, speaking French and hailing French, she's trying to get the dream eventually, even if it takes a century, I don't wanna be a Benji, decree to leave the gentry, people starving, truckers, Bentley, money, we agree to and we pat down for the entry, each assembly, what? If they don't want us, then fuck it, they're lost, team on my back, I still carry the cross, buy what I like, care less about the cards, writing with diamonds, I'm like Robert Frost, life is a movie, the scene is just saw, you at the dentist, I'll leave you in awe, tell you what it is, laid on the law, flicking you up while I'm rolling the raw. Thank you.